1: buddies and travellers down Thunder Road, it's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway, coming to you as part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, your debutante upon Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I am joined by my faithful co-host, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, it's a new dawn,
0: it's a new day. What's up? <laughs> it's a new digs, it's a new home. Yeah. It's new surroundings, it's it's new listeners, It's it's all new and S- same old same shelf. old thunder <laughs> same old shite yeah man we're, we're here we're on the VOW podcast network it's finally
1: happened uh we've been talking about it for a month uh we announced you know we, we kind of teased it that, it that it was happening over the Christmas period and we finally arrived great to be here um I suppose uh we should, uh, although, like, you know, our existing listeners will probably be bored to tears by this bit. Reintroduce ourselves a little bit. Well, uh,
0: well, you know what? Let, let's treat our listeners like um, every WWE fan is treated by Michael Cole and Corey Graves every week and going, These two people right here, these host a podcast <laughs> called Days of Thunder. <laughs> And you are listening to the Days of Thunder podcast on the V.O.W. podcast network. <laughs> I,
1: thought you, I thought you were going to do the thing, uh, the nice version, which is, you know, the Stan Lee theory that every comic book is someone's first comic book. But no, you went for the let's do the WWE thing and treat existing listeners like idiots instead. Oh,
0: fucking absolute <laughs> morons. <like. laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I, I suppose for our, our new V.O.W. listeners, uh, we're happy to be here. We are Days of Thunder. Um we are a podcast that started 3 years ago um and our mission was to see if by just watching thunder Uh, we could make sense of Latter-day WCW. So we watch all the Thunders, we watch all the pay-per-views and see if we can follow. Um, So far, Lee, how would you characterize the journey we've been on? We have gone from the first show at the start of January 1998 to now we are in February 1999.
0: I'd say we got lost sometime around the third episode in January 1998. (laughs) Um, yeah. no, look, I know look. but I know by
1: episode five we were drinking. <laughs> and we turned that into a
0: gimmick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah now look, it became a very apparent very earlier on that Thunder did not really matter in the larger landscape to WCW higher ups. Now we have great fun watching it. Yeah. And we hope that everyone else has great fun watching along with us.
1: And look, we like to think on this show that we're, we're not just the kind of standard, like, let's just, you know, spend um, a couple of hours every couple of weeks uh, recording a podcast where we exclusively dunk on things. Because something that has united the two of us as friends over the years, Lee, is that we're able to find um, the gold in amongst the the muck. We're able to mm-hmm. revel in stuff that's good. We're also able to enjoy ourselves with things that are less than good. Um, and one of the kind of the mission statements of the show, even though we may not have ever said out loud in the show, is to try and recover that sense we had as as children watching wrestling that like regardless good bad or indifferent we can always find something that we enjoy one mm-hmm. way or the other and i think we you know there have been individual shows and moments that have driven us up the fucking walls and we're not going to you know sugarcoat <laughs> when we don't like something or or lie about it but at the same time i think we found a lot more on this on this journey down thunder road that that we appreciated than we thought we would
0: Oh yeah, only like a year into the run, and we, I think we were surprised by some of the stuff we enjoyed, and that had been yeah. forgotten about in time, Like that is just yeah. really just not talked about at all by fans. Like it, it's kind of like you said, buried in the muck. But we, we like to find those little, those little truffles, those you know things yeah. that are buried deep in the ground. We will find them, like the Raven Saturn Field, like yeah. um. DDP's promos Where he's promising To bang the fuck out Of everybody Yeah <laughs> um, We will find these Good mo- moments Yeah DDP and TRL Threatening
1: to bang people yeah. It's all here it. Um, Yeah so we'll be coming To you once every two weeks With a new episode Of Thunder Or a pay per view Depending on what comes up Next in the timeline We're doing it all Chronologically um we have a couple of other kind of mini series we do which you'll see pop up from time to time as we go forward we're going to kind of stay on the critical path for our first few shows on on vow just so that you can kind of get used to the vibe of the show but we're happy to have everybody here uh i'm really excited going forward for this uh also do you know if you listen to the show you like the show uh we've got a whole hell of a lot of content for you to dig back on um the 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 absolute boy Rich Craig has gone and helped us import all our old shows into our red circle feed. Um, so you can go back and indulge yourself with, uh, days of thunder from the very beginning. Should you so wish, um, you know, more power to you. <laughs> uh, but anyway, good luck. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Best of luck with that guys. um, so the two notes I want to add at the, the top of the show. Um, Firstly, I want to do a plug for something uh, new we have uh, to do with the show. And that is that we have a channel on the VOW Discord now, um, which mm-hmm. I know VOW listeners who are active on the Discord will have seen probably by now that we popped up there just around the time we made the announcement that we were moving. Um. Please do come over there, join the Discord, hop into our channel. Uh, I think me and Lee are going to be like in and out, you know, uh, with some thoughts as we're watching the shows. And I think, Lee, mm-hmm. it's a, you know, we love interacting with people on Twitter at WCW Thunderpod, by the way. Um, we love interacting with people on Twitter, but I think Discord is really good for like an actual back and forth conversation about a show or about what we're doing on the podcast.
0: Yeah, I found in my... Like, I pop into the Discord semi-regularly. Probably not as much as I should because there's some great... There is some great channels and conversations that actually go on on the VLW Discord. Um, But yeah, like, it's so much better than Twitter for, like, long-form discussions about stuff because it's, like, you can see when when somebody's replying to you, you get that instant thing of, oh, such-and-such is replying, Dave is replying, Dave is replying, whatever it is. And you can have those kind of forum-style discussions like the like
1: like the bad old days of forum mm-hmm. posting um posters uh, gonna post yeah o- <laughs> the the other thing i wanted to mention is in terms of our rss feed so if you're subscribed to our old rss feed nothing should change for you but if you are one of the listeners who listens to us just on the soundcloud player um you may have to go seek us out on another platform because now that we've been imported into red circle Uh, It's on the Red Circle RSS feed that our shows are going to get posted going forward, so you will notice that the new shows aren't showing up on our SoundCloud channel. So apologies if that applies to you, but if you go to our Twitter, at WCW ThunderPod, you'll see in the bio, I have our link tree, our brand new link tree, Lee, I, I set up this week, and that will give you... All the links uh, to the VOW Discord, to a bunch of different platforms you su- can subscribe to us on, uh, to the RSS feed itself. So whatever way you prefer to digest the show, um, it is available for you at our link tree. Um,
0: so that's that's all the, the front of office stuff done, really, isn't it? <laughs> that, I think that's the big introduction done. I think people know why we're here, what we're, what yeah. we're about. There's one overdue bit of... Uh, bit
1: of uh, Twitter discussion I actually wanted to get to on the show. It's somebody I meant to give a shout out to a month ago on the show. But like, you know, we say that the listeners, our Thunder Buddies on this show, do um, Trojan work sometimes, digging up stuff for us that that, uh, give us a good laugh. Mm -hmm. But uh, one of our listeners, Kim Geist, over Christmas, went ahead and decided they were going to try and trace the entire... Linear history of the martial arts division championship, Uh, a championship that we crowned originally uh, when WCW invented a martial arts division and then gave up on it.
0: So we now have the linear
1: martial arts division champion.
0: I, I think they created it around late '97 and had dropped it by the end of January '98. Yeah, but us being the you know good Thunder fans that we are, we decided to create the linear championship to carry on the the legacy of the Martial Arts Division.
1: Yeah. Uh, when it changes hands, we read out the role of honour to that point. But uh, for your listening interest, the current Martial Arts Division champion is Scott Steiner. Uh, and we will let you all know when a Martial Arts Division title match does take place. But... Uh, Kim, guys, without ruining who uh, holds it at the end of WCW or anything like that, because that was I was when I saw Kim say that I was kind of afraid it was going to be spoiled for me where the the title hmm. was going to go, and I didn't want to see that. But what Kim did was go all the way up to right now, uh, which is really interesting. So I'm just going to read this because this is this is awesome. Uh, okay, I spent the evening tracing the linear title history of the Mad Title. Uh, It spent years in WWE, unified with big gold, Uh, both the WWE and WCW versions of that belt, had a brief fling in the European indies, Uh, it got won by Gangrel, hot potatoed around the Canadian indies. A long time on the Alabama-Kentucky circuit, followed by moving up to New York. Several times a TNA or future AEW guy captured the title, which gave me hope it was getting out of indie hell, but it never does. By my calculations, it's currently held by a guy called Carl Jepson. Gangrel was a two-time <laughs> martial arts division champion. Triple H has the record of title reigns with four bad title reigns uh, an Jesus. aptly named guy called thunder wins it on the indies at one point which i think is is great stuff altogether. together but that is incredible i actually must ask him uh if they wouldn't mind like dming us if they have like the whole like the, championship the role of honor because yeah. i would like to kind of keep that locked in a folder on my drive and then you know when years from now we finally get to the end of Thunder to, to crack that one out and go through the full journey of where it goes after WCW it will be really interesting
0: but um, but um Dave as, as we know I like to change the uh, rules regarding the martial arts division yeah, championship all, on a whim so uh, you know Lee,
1: Lee, Lee <laughs> within a few months uh, you're going to fuck this up royally Uh, yeah, And I know that, I know that But we can at least enjoy the dream while it lasts Anyway buddy, before we get into uh, our episode of Thunder this week Which by the way is the 50th episode of Thunder to be broadcast Which is fucking wild Um, But Mm -hmm. here we are nonetheless Uh, I want to ask you what beverage you've
0: got with you this evening Well Dave, as you and long time listeners know I just had a new baby over Christmas So unfortunately I'm still... Having a dry January. I've not had a drink. And I'm still just sipping away on some water here. And uh, I, being the friend that I am, uh, will continue
1: to make it up for you by having doubles. uh, And I am having (laughs) a, a double Jemison black barrel. Uh, with a Coke Z, you know, a fine beverage, a fine art We are here on VOW. I suppose it's uh, we need to get on the record about these things, Lee. Mm-hmm. And we are officially a pro Coke Z podcast. Um, But maybe controversially for uh for Joe, we are a pro apples podcast as well. <laughs> I had a delicious Granny Smith not minutes before recording this show. Um, So, you know, you win some, you lose some, I guess.
0: I mean, I'm not pro-apple, but I don't hate apples. Uh,
1: Yeah, not nearly as much anyway. (laughs) Um, Right, let's do this. Thunder, episode 50. This is um, the second half of a double shot from the Providence Civic Centre in Rhode Island. Broadcast date, 11th of February, 1999. We're 10 days away, Lee, from Super Brawl 9. Um, How do you feel the build has been going so far? Because I'm actually... It's the first in a couple of pay-per-views that I can feel the build and I'm actually you know regardless of what the actual matches are i i
0: feel like super brawl is a big deal i think they've done a good job i think they did a good job last year for super brawl as well um yeah like we said it so, sold out 98 felt like just totally unimportant when they decided yeah. not to do hogan sting rematch on it and push it yeah. super brawl and they did the same basically this year they kind of sold out
1: feels like it we're contractually obliged to do a pay-per-view around this
0: time we don't have stuff ready for it yes yeah we're, we're we're building to the the next pay-per-view which you know really kind of plays into the why didn't they just do six pay-per-views a year and they would have built everything properly anyway um but yeah no super roll super roll nine feels like a a decently built pay-per-view i think a lot of the matches get mentioned on this show and they've all got fairly pretty kind of logical decent builds. i feel
1: yeah, and not only that, but I think, you know, and we will get into it on this show, I think they've started to put together some good packages mm-hmm. to sum up some of these feuds, or at least to paper over the the gaps in these feuds. Um. So, yeah, I, I feel, on the whole, a pretty decent job. And even though it's not been a great month for Thunder, I, I feel... It reminds me kind of like the old NXTs, where, do you know the way the gap between... Um, takeovers yeah. When they were really big It's like it, it felt like an aimless show And sometimes a bad show And then maybe Three to four weeks Before the, the takeover They'd finally get it together And this is what it feels like We're ten days out And now Like they're promoting The shit out of it And it feels like This show has a bit of direction uh, And I feel yeah, like I like, understand like, Why matches are happening On the show
0: Yeah like Eight weeks before a takeover You'd be getting t- Titus O'Neil On an undefeated streak and then, like, yeah. about three weeks before the pay-per-view, he'd lose a number one contenders match to fucking Cesaro or something. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, they, uh, they do. They, I think they've been pretty decent in how they've built. And, I mean, we're kicking off with... Uh, we're being promised three matches in our WCW tag team tournament. So, sorry, Lee. That's not what we... That's not Oh, what that's sorry. That's not with. what we start the show with. Sorry, I was looking at we, the matches.
1: Yeah, we start the show with a cold open... Uh, and the thunder debut of one Tori Wilson, um, and she is kind of your. So these these segments are weird, and there's like four of them, mm-hmm. I think, on the show, and it's like it's first person point of view, and Tori is interacting with you, the point of view character, even though it's obviously a cameraman, um, and look. There are a lot of very cheap jokes, very easy, like open goal. That this is very pornally shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know.
0: D- well, um, do you know what I was going to say? Oh, we're a classy
1: <laughs> show. <Lee. laughs> we are. Cla- we are as classy as like a dimmer switch in the bathroom. That's how classy we are.
0: <laughs> dimmer
1: switch in the bathroom.
0: Fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this is quite the introduction for young Tori, and uh, I mean, Tori was—I think she was like twenty at this stage. Yeah. Um, but she's been made to look like a fucking mid 30s kind of yeah. cougar type. It's weird. Yeah.
1: So Tori's going to be with us for like the the whole rest of the run of, of WCW, um, which is a good thing. You know, and yeah, you know, um, obviously for uh, young gentlemen of our age, a an important figure in our adolescence <laughs> in, in a lot of ways. That's, that's, that's the most gentlemanly way you can put it, I guess. Fucking ham-fisted
0: way of putting it. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know. Um, but something I, I suppose she's um, one of these kind of figures that I don't think she ever got kind of her... Good. Her, her, Yeah, she never got like, okay, look, I'm not going to for a second go. She was a good wrestler or anything like that. But she was somebody who was put in very particular roles, obviously, throughout her entire career. But one, she's somebody who actually showed a good bit of personality during her career and was somebody that like no matter what sort of often degrading shite they gave her she made the most out of it and became, like, a relatively household name. Um, And two is one of those people, and I always like to put a bit of focus on them, one of those people that... You know, years after her career ended, I don't know anybody that has a bad word to say about her. Like everybody said she's like the nicest, you know, most friendly person backstage. Everybody had great things to say about her. And I remember when she got her her Hall of Fame induction and, you know, she made the same kind of gags we did. about you know, like the young men that were watching the show when she was on it and stuff like that. But um, I remember a lot of wrestlers when she got inducted. Kind of been like Oh do you know She's such a nice person We're all glad She's getting her flowers Kind of thing Hang on hang on Tori Wilson's a Hall of Famer Yeah yeah She's in the Hall of Famer Get the fuck like, Unless that's a fever dream But I'm pretty sure She was on that one Do you the other one where um, The one where DX get inducted And Triple H slags off AEW Which looks great now in Hall of Oh South. yeah I am I am fully certain
0: Tori is Also we fame. should say R- R.I.P. to uh, Triple H you know, passed away
1: first yeah. time. <laughs> Being weekend at Bernie's around Florida for months now at this stage. Yeah, she was inducted into the, the Hall of Fame in
0: 2019. Wow. I would yeah. not have got that right if you had a gun to my head. Um, yeah. yeah, good good for her. I mean, look, her ex-husband doesn't have anything bad to say about her. Like, even Billy Kidman wouldn't say anything bad yeah. about her, so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously we don't know, like, because she was like, you know, um, we never know if she'd been around in a different time and actually, you know, been put in proper training or anything like that. We don't know if she ever would have become decent. She definitely certainly wasn't like. I, I you know, I'm not gonna go you know, here's my my uh top my top five Tori Wilson <laughs> matches or anything like that. But she's somebody that you know, in spite of the the roles she was put in, again, like, is a memorable name. From this time So you know It's always interesting When someone like that Shows up I mean she had A Wrestlemania moment <laughs> She did She did With the Miller like Captain. Yeah that's girls. the one Yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like Do you know We're having this discussion now And I'm just In the context of that WWE thing about Like the women Being bloodied on AEW This is all very
0: funny To think about mm-hmm. Do you know It's great It's a what a week <laughs> You know They're, they're yearly women's the big title match of WrestleMania was built around Playboy for about four or five years. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but now Lee, uh, so we
1: have this cold open on the pool hall, <laughs> and she is invo- She is kind of sitting at a table. It's a completely deserted pool hall, by the way. Um, As
0: all pool hall should be.
1: Yeah, and she gets up and comes over to your character, who's who's shooting <laughs> the pool very you, you, badly. Your character. <laughs> yeah, but that is like it's supposed to. You know what I mean? Um, like fucking second
0: life over here.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, she invites you to. She has a limo parked outside, and then it cuts off, and we start the show. Um, and yeah, the big thing that's being teased tonight Lee more matches in the tag team tournament. Hang on, I thought the big Europe thing being being teased is you're getting fucked by Tori Wilson. Well, like again, <laughs> it's like here's the thing about those segments, right? Is that is definitely what they're alluding to, but it's also like they don't have the neck to go all the way to say that. Do you know what I mean It's like They get really close To just outright saying it And then they're like No no we're too scared
0: Yeah it's real um... It's super weird it, It's very <laughs> it's I weird. can't lie It's so strange What a
1: way to do It's amazing That she managed to like 15 you know, year career After she that She managed like, to have her, like yeah. A 15 year career Cause like that's That, that should be a one and done Like <laughs> you know Um but yeah, so there's that And then there is, yes Further matches in, the, in this Second go at a tag team title tournament The tournament that they had
0: to make Double elimination after they realised They fucked up
1: <laughs> Yeah
0: um,
1: Something as well uh, I really feel that Until the main event tonight The commentary team was on their shit mm-hmm. um, This was a good night For Tony Brain and Tanae Which sometimes, particularly on these pre-tapes They're not yeah. Um, They start off the show Um, doing their kind of like, oh, here's the things I'm interested in on the way to Super Brawl. And it actually felt like one where they they feel invested in it. And the big thing that they're talking about is the tension between Flair, the Horseman, and WCW side Mm -hmm. of things and the Hogan and NWO side of things. Uh, Brain talks about how he is... So, no, sorry. Tony first says, uh, you know, you can understand Flair's anger when Hogan stoops to new lows every week. More of that later in the show. Um, and Brain then talks about how he's particularly hyped for a DDP versus Scott Steiner, mm-hmm. which he said, like, it's not going to be a wrestling match. It's going to be a brawl fight, yeah. anywhere in yeah, the yeah. arena. Yeah.
0: Um, but, but you know what? Do you know why they sound invested? Because these matches have been built to properly. That's why they're invested. That's why they sound interested. Mm-hmm. They aren't matches just thrown together six days before a pay per view. Yeah, and you you want to talk about like a
1: um, you want to talk about a a feud that Bobby Heenan is going to be
0: believably into? It's Flair versus Hope. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think he even brings that up, like in the I think it's the main event. He says, you know, oh, I was talking to this magazine editor where they were like, oh, well, you were the manager the century, but who would you have as the wrestler the century? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so we kick off with a tag team tournament action. As the faces of fear, Meng and Barbarian, uh, go head to head with our favourite tag team on God's Green, Young Dumb and Bobby Duncombe, Mike Enos and Bobby Duncombe Jr. Um, And yes, Lee, that means it's time for our Enos Alert. Were you excited to see the boys again this week, my friend?
0: I'm, I'm always excited to see an inflated Enos on Thunder.
1: <laughs> and he was... That he, was, was exactly he was looking
0: ripped. Yeah, he was
1: ripped to the gills. <laughs> and you know what? Like Under normal circumstances, you never want a ripped
0: Enos. But, you know, I mean, we'll listen, an exception here. This Enos looked like he just dropped some big kangaroo. <laughs> today
1: alerts us that as a result of last week's matches on thunder this is sudden death for both teams so the incredibly convoluted uh, tag team tournament is double elimination so you lose two and you're gone um so both teams are on death's door here uh Heenan makes a great point here, and I love this. You know, when Heenan tries to rationalize things, and he says that he'd much rather fight a team that had no losses in the tournament because if you've won loss and you're right at the point of going out, you're going to scrape and you're going to claw and you're going to fight harder because there's more on the line. You're out if you lose. There's no room for error. Uh, so that makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm noticing as well at the start of this match um, so they talk about Jimmy Hart a bit uh, As a manager And Heenan has the, a line about how, Look when Jimmy Hart can stay focused He's one of the greatest managers of all time mm-hmm. uh, And it's that point that Something clicked in my head Lee And that's you know We have like uh, Commentator code Like bowling shoe yeah. and, and and things like that I'm pretty sure If he can just stay focused Is commentator code for This is a shite gimmick or angle That this person is doing <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, because I'm pretty sure Heenan says it throughout the match, he's just like, you know, if Hart can keep these guys focused, and it's just like, yep. yeah, this, this is, that's insane, this is shit. Because
1: who is the other person that Bobby Heenan has said that about Uh, during a run Oh, of Disco. Disco. Yeah. He constantly says it about Disco, particularly when he was doing the Dancing Fools with Alex Wright. Mm-hmm. Uh says if he can just focus i think he could actually be a good wrestler uh which is you know i i'm now convinced heen and code for i'm super not into what this guy is doing and i wish he'd get away from it.
0: but i mean look Um, bobby bobby was obviously wrong on that one because if disco didn't have the disco gimmick he would have been glenn colberti and well we all saw how that turned out
1: yeah um, Tane says that the edge in this match Might be given to Enos Because his extensive tag team experience Could make Young Dumb and Bobby Duncombe uh, a, a hell of a team I love that that completely Discounts the fact that like Faces of Fear already had a tag run
0: Oh but, yeah we're, know, we're, what, They were
1: whatever. WCW tag team champions Yeah And you know uh, I don't know if on a family show I'm happy with Tane insisting that uh Bobby Duncan rub off on the Enos um, so that they can become a hell of a team but he, but he has said that anyway uh, Heenan compliments the size of the Enos uh, saying that Mike Enos has you know he's looking in great shape mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of grappling early doors from Meng mm-hmm. from and Enos but I would much rather this, because I was trying to think, like, I think maybe one of the ultimate cursed combinations of men you can have in the ring is uh, Barbarian and Bobby Duncombe Jr. So I would much rather see the the other two lads do a grapple fuck than I'd ever see want to see the other two get
0: in the ring. Oh yeah, I'd much prefer to watch Meng and, and Enos have a l- little roll around. I did like that um, Enos does a series of arm drags and then points to his head because he is, in fact, the thinking man's Enos. Yeah, he is.
1: He's a look. You know, the blood is rushing to his brain. Um, Duncan knocks Barb off his game with a drop kick, and then goes outside for a pep talk with Jimmy Hart. We go to a break. Then we return with Enos choking Meng on the middle rope. Uh, Enos hits a good pile driver for a two count. Meng then hits like a horrendous borderline shoot lariat on him. <laughs> I'd well believe it wasn't a borderline shoot. That was just a shoot. Yeah, that's everything Mang does has no idea it's a work. Uh, Enos is kind of like it's funny. You look at the four men in this, and like Mike Enos is the guy, like he's the glue holding this whole match together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he's directing traffic, and I guess of the four guys here, he's who you want because we've talked about him before on the show. You know, in all seriousness, that like Mike Enos. He just he never finds the gimmick that really clicks for him during our Thunder Run because he was doing his discount Scott Steiner bit. Uh, now he's doing just kind of like generic black hair, black trunks, power dude. Um, mm-hmm. He never really had the charisma, but he's not like horrendous, you know, especially no. compared to some of the guys that are pushed way higher than him on the show.
0: Like, by 1999 standards, he was a decent enough wrestler. Like, he did just need to find that gimmick to get... Like, he would have been fine as a tag team wrestler. I think if he had found a permanent tag team partner, they would have been a grand addition to the WCW roster.
1: And, you know, the thing about this match is, as I'm thinking about it, and as I'm reading back through my notes here, I found this match quite enjoyable. You know, it wasn't anything to write home about, but as, like, a tag opener on a TV show, I think it was... Pretty,
0: it was fine. Yeah, like yeah, it wasn't bad. Like there was, do you know, what I had some clumsy moments, but like there was some, yeah. there was some big, big bumps, big moves,
1: um, big moves. I think the layout of the match for the most part made sense as well. The the story they tried to tell, you know, there's a really long bit I enjoy where uh, Meng and Barbarian are working exclusively on the lad's necks. Mm-hmm. to to kind of uh, weaken them for the Tongan death grip and I think that makes a lot of sense I think um, maybe one of the only things I thought didn't make sense in this match is there's a bit where Barb goes to the outside and he gets sneak attacked by Bobby Duncan and I thought that Duncan and Enos were supposed to be the baby faces here so that was like they they did there's like a a heel shtick for a few seconds in here Uh, I thought they did Um, like
0: a semi-turn at some stage because they did start acting a bit heelish
1: yeah, but that only lasts for like a minute. They double team on Meng, do a series of elbow drops. Um, oh my god, this pile driver Meng hits on Bobby Duncombe Junior looked incredible. One of the best pile drivers you'll ever see,
0: just fucking vicious looking.
1: Yeah. Um, and like part of that is Meng, but also like Duncombe takes that spike pile driver mm-hmm. bump. Like he goes directly down like a lawn dart into the
0: ground. And uh, I loved today after after Duncombe kicks out. He puts over uh, Duncombe's neck strength.
1: Yeah. Mang um, knocks down Enos, double diving headbutts. Uh, Enos recovers to break up. Um, this is where I noticed the commentators were remarkably focused because usually, you know, in the tag team tournament or just any match on Thunder, really, it doesn't take very long for um, the three lads to either start, you know, joking around or talking about anything but the mm-hmm. match that's happening in the ring. But they were actually commentating on the match, which... Also, in turn, helps me focus on yeah. the story of the match because I'm not getting annoyed or trying to follow the thread of what the other guys are saying.
0: And it helps that the match, like, for as much as we've shit on the tournament, the match actually had some consequences. It was, you know, lose or leaves. Yeah. Uh, Barb, <laughs> Barb does a move that I just
1: referred to as dropping the arse <laughs> on Duncan, where he just, like, just sits on It was on the a earthquake. P- yeah, yeah, it was. But I'm calling it dropping the arse here. Um... He he does this thing Barb does this thing That's like It's something I don't notice All the time And I always feel like A pedant when I say I get annoyed about it Um, But I know it's a thing That wrestling trainers Get really annoyed about Is that when you do A move on a guy And then your next thing To do is to pick him Back up and do another Move on him So Barb does that like two or three times in a row Bobby Duncan where he does move, knock him down, pick him up, Mm -hmm. move, knock him down. And then I think he gets him back up to a sitting position and then does another move. And it's like, why are you knocking someone down just to exert energy, picking him back up again? Um, I don't always notice it, but when I do, I'm like, oh, Meng comes in. He instructs Barb to distract the ref while he chokes uh, Duncan in the corner. Uh, He chokes him again. Sends Enos in Meng encourages The interference from Enos Because that keeps The referee distracted mm-hmm. Which then allows Barb to choke him So like that's That's all I thought that was Very clever um, Good, good tag team Obviously Yeah there's a bit Where then where Bobby Or is it Yeah Bobby Duncan Gets up And Meng just Chops him in the yep. neck <laughs> <It's> Great <laughs> just like, Oh gruesome And then then he bites his nose, and I was just like, at first, I was just like, ugh. But then, again, makes sense. You know, you're weakening the neck, and you're also uh, you're Taking affecting the, the, the other airway. Supply, yeah. yeah, all makes sense. Uh, then, you know, maybe the nadir of the match... Um, I think it's Meng gives Duncan a reverse atomic drop and Duncan takes the single worst bump I've ever seen off a reverse atomic drop in my entire life it's like he does the um, teetering over like a redwood cell of it where like he he gets a reverse atomic drop and then completely stand up straight and then (laughs) just like fall back stiff as a board but not in a way that was funny but just in a way that like he obviously got I think he got lost yeah Lost in a thought about how he was going to bump. Um, There was a great-looking power slam from Duncan Duncan on Meng. Uh, But Meng is now menging up. Uh, He's not selling anything. He's getting fired up. Uh, Then we have a shocking moment on Thunder. As Jimmy gets up onto the apron, he's saying something to Barb, instructing him to do something. He gets in, and then he boots Meng in the back of the head... Um, The commentators are shocked They're confused They're like what the hell Maybe it was an accident Meng turns (laughs) around And gets Yeah Gets booted in the face uh, And Young Dumb and Bobby Duncombe Move on in the tournament The faces of fear have broken up again
0: I'm pretty sure we only did this like Four months ago
1: Lee they've only been back together Maybe since the start of this tournament I'm pretty sure they were Because that
0: was the big surprise That uh, Hart got them back on the same page Yeah wasn't wasn't there a Barb there, and Meng feud towards the end of the year
1: uh, it was like the maybe the mid, there, there was definitely a feud since we've been watching Thunder and they've been doing the thing where they're building like the first family with the two of them mm-hmm. and Hugh Morris and like that seems to be over now
0: so um, all I can gather is that Meng started kicking too much ass and Jimmy wasn't happy about it yeah he's too scary we must we must rid him from so, our, our stable. If if you're if you're gonna pick one of them, why in 1999 would you pick Barbarian to side with? Yeah, I know, I know. Uh,
1: I did find it funny though that like there there was one moment where I felt the commentary slipped up where they were talking about the Tongan Death group and they were talking about how it's an illegal hold. And I was like, but that's the move he's been winning matches with pretty much nonstop. Whatever. <laughs> and he will continue to winning. win matches with, yeah. Yeah 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 For like the rest of his run I was like Oh that was you You didn't think that thought no. through, lads Um Lee The next segment I was so happy Because we have a return to At home with the Ravens mm-hmm. Um So for those of you Who are new to the show Uh And may not have Been watching Too much 1998 Thunder Can't say I fucking blame you Um we had
0: this... So, Raven
1: got depressed, basically. You know, after, after, after the flock
0: got disbanded by Saturn at Fall Brawl. Fall Brawl, yeah. Uh, In a great match. Oh, fantastic. Go back and watch it. Um, yeah. After the flock got disbanded, and it was just Canyon and Raven left as pals, um, Raven, week on week, just got more and more depressed. I think he fell asleep at ringside one week during the Canyon match. He um, He just would walk out on matches, he wouldn't tag into matches, just all, all this usual stuff. Yeah. And until we got the, the first of the classic At Home With The Ravens, where we were introduced to Mama Raven.
1: Mama Raven, Sister Raven, and uh, Friend Of The Family, uh, played by the Sandman, yeah. uh, which was the definite highlight. So we're back now, and Lee... Oh, actually, actually, we, we, we forgot. Ha- the Hansy,
0: uh Grandma Raven...
1: Oh, Hansy, Grandma Raven, yeah. and also that season one of At Home with the Ravens ended on the uh, the cliffhanger that uh, Raven found a secret stash of his mom's signed Roddy Piper
0: photos, which we haven't got followed up on since.
1: I uh, but I I am firmly in the camp that the implication is that Roddy's his dad. That's 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 my head. Okay, now. Right, fair enough. Yeah. Um. So. Season two of At Home with the Ravens takes on much more of a weird '50s screwball comedy uh, vibe than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Do you remember ever seeing any of these? Skits? No, no. I yeah. I remember. I vaguely remember the season one At mm-hmm. Home with the Ravens, but I don't remember. I, I don't remember anything about the stuff we saw this
0: week. No, the 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 bits we were seeing here, like I don't, I can't recall them. Because there's, there's one bit in particular where Raven continually breaks the fourth wall and becomes Zach Morris. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, this is either like, um, I was going to
1: say, it's either Raven explains it all, or it's uh, Rave by the Bell. But it's very much fourth wall looking straight down the camera, yeah. addressing the audience stuff. Uh, in a real, like, wacky, completely out of, like, yeah. this is Scott Levy talking... Or perhaps even Johnny Polo, talking, <laughs> not Raven. Um. um yeah.
0: Like I'll use to start to do almost fucking shouting freeze frame or whatever. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um. So Canyon arrives to the Raven Estate, but it's a different house, and I love that to make this work in Canyon because obviously they've rented a different house mm-hmm. for these skits. Uh, the other one wasn't available. They have uh Canyon ad-lib a line about how, God, how many houses do these people have <laughs> <laughs> Which I really enjoyed um, he comes in and meets a worried Mrs. Raven uh, she's worried about Scotty uh, but she has a board meeting to go to at presumably Raven Enterprises um, <laughs> the shooting of this skit is fantastic because they do like again like a proper kind of uh, like two camera comedy where there's a shot where Canyon walks towards the camera and as, like, he walks straight into the camera, the shot dissolves into the reverse shot of him... Continuing going on down, yeah. The mansion. yeah. Yeah, this is,
0: like, I love this. So, uh, I, I just thought of this. Um, obviously, we've talked before about how when Raven came into WCW, all of his matches were inexplicably Raven rules. Yeah. And you couldn't understand how this was allowed to fly like he's just Raven How is he to come in and make all these demands but as I pointed out to you Raven obviously had a deal with Nick Lambrose and the WCW committee and I think it's now apparent that Mama Raven with her board meetings and palatial estates by the dozen loads obviously had the best obviously had the best lawyers in the country
1: or, or she bought the influence of several Turner executives. I don't
0: think they would have been uh, above a bribe or two, yeah?
1: No, no. So, I th- you know, and, and I, you know, as we've always said on this podcast, we'd happily be bought. Oh, yeah. We'd, we'd be, know, be bought by anybody. Please bribe yeah. us. Please Jesus. bribe us. <laughs> um, uh. But I think
0: it's fair to say that Raven obviously got whatever he wanted in his contract.
1: Yeah. Oh, by the way, I meant to say, speaking of, of influential people uh, and and this podcast, um. Lee, how have we gotten caught up in the the day-to-day adventures of Brian Clark on Twitter? (laughs) I don't know, but I love it. So, guys, uh, Brian Clark... um,
0: He of Chronic.
1: He of Chronic.
0: The tag team, um, not the um, other stuff.
1: He of Wrath. Um... He followed us a while ago on Twitter, and now, like as he's posting like slice of life updates, you know where he's traveling, what he's doing this week, we're getting tagged in these threads. Um, so we got to see full conversations about him, his
0: missus, and his dog hanging out, and was it the Grand Canyon? Hang on, I'm going back to check it out Just give us one sec. <laughs> uh, yeah, where was he? He was on the way to Seguro Lake for dinner.
1: Ah, uh, okay. So somewhere it in Phoenix. Bigger- there's a picture of him and his pupper hanging out So, uh, with a beautiful <laughs> vista behind him, I must say. Uh,
0: did you see who's tagged in the photo? Or who's the who's the, the at star listed in the tweet, sorry. Apart, Apart from, from us. us. Go on. So there's Don Tony D, who I don't know. Uh Pro defined At WCW Thunderpod, obviously the best of the bunch. Yep. Obviously.
1: Uh that's who we meant to address.
0: At WCW Nitro. Yeah. At Terry Runnels. At Medusa Rocks, (laughs) at Justin Roberts, (laughs) and at (laughs) Lantite. What
1: a a fucking collection of people we found ourselves with, Dave. What? (laughs) This may have to become a segment on the show. Like, what's Brian Clark doing this week? Does Brian Clark? Because he's going to fucking. Does Brian Clark
0: think we are the official Turner WCW Thunder account?
1: I think he must. And you know that's happened to us on Instagram. Have I told you about this? No. On our Instagram for about two years now, we keep getting tagged by big V. Oh yeah,
0: no, he still does that on Twitter as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he does it all like pretty much like all of his posts uh on Instagram we get tagged in. And It's just like Vito genuinely thinks We are the official account of thunder Which he must think is still a show uh, He just hasn't been booked in a while He's still complaining um, at Ruzo that he can't
0: get booked on thunder yeah.
1: uh, Anyway Canyon uh, comes into The uh, expansive living room And finds Raven Who is sitting there in his gear Now I know Raven's gear You know it's stuff that you would See people like a raven Wearing people in real life People like a raven like, like a raven Like a ra- You know str- Strung out Grungy dudes You know He's got the flannel He's um, He's got the The raggedy Cut off jeans He's got the t-shirt Um, But the bit that tells you That this is wrestling gear Is that he's sitting there In all that And wrestling boots mm-hmm. <laughs> It's like Right Well I mean He's, uh, he's ready talking-
0: to go for A false Cup Anywhere match At any time Dave you, it's
1: Raven's rules you got to be ready always bring your who knows your where there's a the stop Lanya, sign that's one less bag to carry you
0: yeah, know there could be a stop sign anywhere
1: there, there absolutely could be um, so they're having a chat for a couple of seconds and this is where we get the Clarissa explains it all level of things where at a certain point he just deadpans down the barrel of the camera and says what a mark <laughs> <laughs> About Canyon. because Canyon thinks and Canyon
0: th- thinks he's actually depressed
1: and this is the other thing as well, is that when he does this, none of the characters in the scene with him can hear him saying this. Um, so Raven explains that, uh, you know, things aren't so bad because he's got these sweet cars. So they're out in the garage now and he's got this like uh, slick ass yellow Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Um, He then deadpans down the camera again and says, he don't get it. And he's doing it in this like wacky sitcom voice when he does it. Um. He says, Look, we have stuff to do, and then they speed off in the Ferrari. More from that later in the program.
0: So, not only are we getting fucked by Tori Wilson, we're also getting raven explains it all.
1: It's, it's quite a week I'll tell you The pre-tapes this week And the video packages <clears throat> I'm being wildly entertained Like when I saw On Cage Match When I was sitting on my notes For this And I saw in Cage Match There was only five matches On this show When usually They, they Seven. try to cram a bit Like eight <laughs> yeah. or nine Sometimes uh, I was like Okay That's Because <clears throat> it's not any shorter Than usual But like They had a lot of shit To show us on mm-hmm. this um, And oh, This is the other thing Is that most of the matches This week uh Bizarrely Got time Which you never see Like uh, A good Three Maybe even four Of the matches Went through two segments mm-hmm. Which is Relatively unheard of uh, On Thunder Like usually It's like The the wrestling Is completely Fucking incidental uh, On Thunder Um we get a video package speaking of pre-tapes a video package of goldberg cutting a promo saying bam bam is next and this is one of two bam bam and goldberg um segments or packages on this show and luckily we've gone on record as saying they really didn't strike while the iron was hot with bam bam like for about a month after he showed up people were chomping Mm -hmm. at the bit for that singles match and they, they did it with a DQ finish on Nitro, and then they did the three-way on Nitro, mm-hmm. and they had, like, various schmazzas like, at World War Three and stuff. Um, but it's cooled off significantly. Yeah. I feel like the two packages on this show did a really good job of making this seem like a hot feud and specifically and importantly for a match like this made bam
0: bam look like a kid yeah i think they had they had a good bit of footage that they could go back to to actually do their best to try and heat this back up but yeah i, I agree with you they've kind of left it they probably left it after a month too long um if they hadn't yeah. done that as sold out it would have been fine um but now it just it does feel like they've kind of out balls We're not ready for Goldberg to go back through the NWO yeah So we have to go yeah. back to Bam Bam. It
1: was like they introduced Bam Bam too early. They introduced Bam Bam while Goldberg still had the belt and had other things going on. Whereas if they had waited until after Starcade to debut him, it would be hotter. Or like you said, if they had done the singles match at oh, sold yeah. out, maybe it would be slightly hotter. They have done a pretty good job on TV With Bam Bam the last month Where they're just, just having them come out there. And beat the yeah. shit out of dudes Like was it last week Where he had a match with Kaz Hayashi mm-hmm. And just killed them to bits Yeah, And it was great um, So let me go back to Nitro And this is an update on what's been happening With the DDP-Scott Steiner feud And um, We have Steiner confronting Paige as he's getting into the car. Uh, Did you notice while the... So uh, pretty much as soon as they confront each other, they're like swarmed by security. Did you see the one security guy in the fresh sunshine shoes that absolutely ate shit on the ramp? Yeah, goes flying. Nearly lands underneath the car. (laughs) Yeah. And then like he gets up and it nearly happens again. Like Mm -hmm. he's clearly like walking very gingerly. Um, So... It's weird and the commentators draw attention to this uh, maybe deliberately or not like I can't remember what happens next in this suit but uh, I think its' brain points out that like it's like they are only holding Paige back because they they're trying to break up the two of them and Steiner is relatively free mm-hmm. to hop into Paige's rental car with Kimberly in the passenger seat and he speeds off in the car uh page kind of jogs after him the car does a quick u-turn and starts driving towards page like it's going to run him down but then the passenger door opens and kim comes flying out of the car um and there's kind of a bit of ambiguity like there has been with a lot of this Mm -hmm. stuff uh in this feud um like again we have gone on record as saying like how little like scott steiner had nuclear heat for a while and, uh, you know, we've really enjoyed a lot of his stuff as becoming a single, like even when he was being a bit of a goof with Buff. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have both said how little we enjoy this kind of him being a stalker or him yeah. being abusive towards women angle has been. um, When they could just have him as like this badass killer. They, they had, they, um, after
0: like the, the Rick Steiner feud, they actually had, like you said, they got nuclear heat on him and he was over as this just fucking badass that nobody messed with. And then all of a sudden they went down this, oh, well, he's fucking around with Kimberly stuff. And it's it's, like you said, it's that kind of like, oh, well, maybe he didn't mean to push her. Maybe he didn't mean for her to fall over. Yeah. Again, it's another one of those things where you can
1: tell what they want to do, but they're just... It's not done well. ...not going the whole hog. But even if they, like, that's not us advocating for them to go the whole hog. Like, really, there was such an opportunity to just keep pushing this Mm -hmm. guy, open up the card. Like, Try tell me with a straight face lead This feud wouldn't be much better If you took Kimberly out of the equation entirely And it was just him Beating the fuck out of DDP In all these segments Or like somebody who is identified As one of DDP's boys Mm -hmm. You know something like that You can have him come into the rescue Of a wrestler that DDP is friendly with um, something like that and as well this has all taken place on the backdrop of you know the reorganization of the nwo into this amalgam of Wolfpack and Hollywood mm-hmm. and your opportunity was there to p- like put him in the eyes of the
0: viewers on an equal level with hogan oh well, yeah Marsh. exactly he he like that that's obviously their long-term goal is that Scott becomes yeah. the number two slash three in the in the nwo yeah. Yeah, and they do get there, but I feel like they could have
1: gotten there very quickly. Like, if you have him as this killer that's beating the shit out of DDP, Mm -hmm. who is, like, now that so many people are in Wolfpack and Hollywood, DDP is probably, like, the biggest single star on the WCW side, Mm -hmm. and you have Scott Steiner. If you have him just beating the shit out of this dude on the regular and getting the upper hand on him, and then you have, like... Him standing shoulder to shoulder with Nash and Hogan and being perceived on TV as an equal to the mm-hmm. two of them. I feel you have this guy established as, like, a world title level yeah. heel contender. And do you know what? And
0: then when Goldberg beats him on his way to the title, it means something. Yeah, and,
1: you know, maybe it comes back to that classic thing of WCW being, like... uh you know, Nash and Hogan are pretty comfortable in their spots and they don't want to share it with too many people. And because Scott is in the ascendancy, if you did those things that we just laid out there, then you create a problem because now there isn't enough spotlight to share. Well, uh, look... As far as they're concerned, even though they're actually... As
0: we've said, we're doing this podcast three years. It's a a year and and two months in the timeline of WCW. And Hogan has yet to be involved in anything worth of a fucking... That Was anyway interesting except losing the title to Goldberg, yeah. Um, this segment
1: ends with Kim being stretchered into an ambulance and a neck brace. And again, like you try tell me that this wouldn't have been you know much better and less icky feeling if that was like you know any single star that you know uh, DDP has maybe feuded with and then shown respect for, or even just a WCW guy and. DDP as a leader of mm-hmm. the WCW side, you know, is coming to their Defending. aid.
0: Defending.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um we then get a video package we finally get to see on Thunder um the Wolfpack turning on Conan. So we mentioned this a couple of shows ago. That this is one of the things that our whole we us just watching Thunder and trying to figure out what WCW mean. Sometimes uh, it shows how bad their continuity is because one week, maybe three or four weeks after it happens, they randomly explain that you know the NWO uh, turned on Conan kick, and kicked him out. Yeah, we were kick, just kick out to group, yeah. that. <laughs> I think that um, happened on the first so they, night or the year or something like that, if I remember uh, correctly. Yeah. So that like so now it's February 11th and they're showing it to Thunder audience for the first time. Um, this confirms as well this video package that the tag match at Super Bowl with uh, Ray and Conan versus uh, Lex and Big Kev uh, is going to be mask versus hair. Ray's mask versus mm-hmm. Liz's hair. Um, then we have uh, another At Home with the Raven segment, and this is Mr. Levy arriving at the bank uh, and taking out 10 grand. Uh, I love Canyon is utterly perplexed that everybody in the bank knows him and is friendly with him, and he doesn't need ID to take out his money. <laughs> um, two other things I like. So he does the... You know, as Canyon is in disbelief about how much money he's taking out and how he's able to do it without ID, Raven looks down the camera again and he does the big cartoony eye roll. But the thing I loved the most about this is they get all this money, these stacks of cash. What is it? Is it 10,000 in ones? 10,000 in ones, yeah. And then another 10,000 in in bigger bills. And how do they
0: transport this money? They put it in pillowcases. (laughs) <laughs> which then as they're walking <laughs> walking out of the bank uh, young Scotty is singing Santa Claus is coming to town
1: yeah uh, my kingdom for them to have had like a big dollar sign or swag yeah. written on the yeah on it would have made, made it it just would have made it Um, they're off to then they say they're off to give Canyon the right look and at that moment, I knew what the next segment that they did was going to be. And we'll get to it in a second. Um, Lee, in this next segment here, we have a historical moment. We have Super Calo versus the debuting on Thunder, Lash LaRue. The raging Hell yeah. Cajun. Hell yeah. Is here. Lee, I, I let it slip a couple of episodes ago on the podcast. Young me who started watching WCW, like I had been a WWF fan since '96. Mm -hmm. I started watching WCW in '99. Um, I was unabashedly a massive Lash LaRue fan.
0: (laughs) I mean, look, I I like Lash LaRue. Um, I mean, you were obviously a fan because you look very like Lash LaRue. Literally, inasmuch as we are
1: both pale human beings, and both of us have, could be said to have some facial Yeah, exactly. Hair. He's yes. looking
0: he'll yes. look exactly like Lashow. In no other way. When, when I look at you, I think Rage and Cajun.
1: Do you? Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Brad, uh, Is that because when you hop on these Zoom calls, I'm always blaring, like, uh, Credence, so you get, like, that yeah, exactly, vibe off me? Yeah, um so yeah this was last week like i remember so one of the things that i like in reflection on my my childhood um watching wrestling it's really funny because you know there was this whole thing in the mid 2000s you know the triple h line about how wins and losses don't matter and that's definitely how wwe Mm -hmm. have booked for god knows how long but a perfect example, when I think about my own life and think about how wins and losses do matter, is there are loads of dudes who were absolute either absolute clowns, shite wrestlers, or just mid-characters who were never going to get elevated. Who, as a child, I either really liked or took seriously because I would see them win all the time. And usually on B shows like Thunder or on the WWF side, I would see them win on Shotgun and Metal every single week. Mm-hmm. And I thought these these guys are on incredible streaks. You you can't beat Val Venus. my God! Like you know, or you know, <laughs> for many years, I think the wrestler I saw the most on television was Midian, um, because he'd always have a Shotgun match and or a Metal match every single week I was watching. Uh, and I was like, why do I never see this guy on Raw or SmackDown? Like, he's tearing it up on metal. Tearing it up. And Lash LaRue was one of those
0: guys. I was just going to say, as as you are now older, I think it's very obvious why you didn't see Midian on Raw every week.
1: Yeah. Oh, oh, Lee, I understand now.
0: But it just goes to show, like, a childhood,
1: the childhood wrestling fan brain, if you show uh, a child who's watching wrestling a wrestler who wins loads of matches, it goes to show that you, like... Ugh, you know the the wins and losses don't matter thing is such horse shit like um, well, I mean this, but anyway, the,
0: the, this is this is why Hook is the best wrestler in the world
1: yeah Lash LaRue is a guy who like I was really into because he like again he had this kind of slightly different look he was I think importantly for me in like 1990-2000 he was put across as a younger guy who was just coming through and it felt like you were getting in on the ground floor seeing him um, he ended up being involved, obviously, with Misfits in Action, which to a ten-year-old that is the height of comedy. Um, and you know, I enjoyed watching his his short matches, and he de- It'll be interesting to see because this first match here, you can see how green as grass the guy is. Um, against Supercolo. Mm-hmm. In my again my rose-tinted glasses, I remember quite enjoying his wrestling, and I'm wondering. Does he improve Or You know Is it just Like I said Rose
0: tinted glasses Um, What are your Lash memories Well I mean I don't have As strong A feeling towards him As you do Because I mean Obviously I see the poster In that room behind you Don't lie (laughs) I was
1: just Corporal Cajun I, for life.
0: I was just going to say that, um, I mean, obviously you saw the comparisons that I just made. I mean, you, you just look so incredibly similar. How could you not enjoy them?
1: <laughs> you're just starting this thing going. We're going to have to start releasing this as a video podcast just to see what horse shit you're spouting.
0: I mean, look, it could be Lash sitting in front of me. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um... Yeah, look, I, I remember Lash LaRue as, like, just before the Misfits in action became a thing. And I remember, like, I was it, like, early 2000? He had a feud with Disco and the Mamelukes and stuff. Like, that's where I really remember him from. And he was fine. He had the big fucking sideburns as he came to be famous for. and um, But yeah, I didn't hate him. I'm, I'm interested to see just how green he actually is because yeah. in this match it's very obvious he's Pretty damn fucking green
1: Yeah Yeah Very rough around the edges I think Something I noted During this Is like Definitely the enthusiasm Is there And he's a guy mm-hmm. that uh, And I, I think his You know His run here Through the end of WCW Will demonstrate That there definitely Is charisma there as well But it's mm-hmm. just The the wrestling ability Isn't And when you're in With a guy Like Super Kolo Who we've enjoyed in the past and we think you know much like a lot of the luchadors is criminally underutilized in Mm -hmm. wcw um it it shines a light on those you know on on those gaps in your game on that greenness that he has um he has as well some hideous low-rent gear yeah real real fucking indie Real fucking indie red uh, tights with these skinny black X's on the side. He also has uh, a much less natural red hair dye that he would go on to have. Like, I don't remember Uh it being this, like, luminous. Uh... Red later on in his run especially when the other thing that makes it stand out so much is that the sideburns are a completely different colour from the the mop on top of his head uh, which just like highlights how bad it is it's like do you know the way when somebody uh, poo bears it when they're like wearing a top half of clothing but they're they're not wearing pants it's like it emphasises how they're not how how nude the bottom half is because they've worn a t-shirt it would like be less weird if they were shirtless as
0: well you know what I mean. We've all been there. I can't believe you just compared Lash and Roo's undied sideborns to poo-bearing it.
1: Yeah. Well, I have. I've done it there. Um, they do some uh, pinning combinations early. Uh, Lash outsmarts Kalo on one dive, but then he gets knocked outside and eats a couple of dives. Uh, springboard, crossbody, and a Hurricane Rana from Lash. Um, I know you popped for this Lee Because I, I, I know you And I know your favourite wrestlers of all time uh, Tanay mentions that on Nitro We had the
0: debut of Blitzkrieg Yuck. Hell yeah I fucking love Blitzkrieg <laughs> I can't wait Till we get to watch Blitzkrieg I
1: haven't looked ahead To see what the, the match cards are For the next few But surely it won't be long Before Blitzkrieg appears on Thunder um, Lash does uh, an awkward like he's like he's so fired up in one of his little comebacks that he does like the the jumping splits and it's kind of like again the energy and the enthusiasm is there but he's like 20 to 30% too green yeah. to pull off this stuff he's do, doing do you know do you know what like, he
0: reminds me of remember again, baby face Chris Jericho in WCW he's like yeah, yeah! <laughs> Like. Yeah, yeah, there are definitely
1: Chris Jericho parallels there. Again, in terms of the enthusiasm and the charisma, are there, but uh, not so much the stuff, the other stuff here at the beginning of the run, anyway. Um, I have. So. Um, Lash hits a top rope splash and Kalo rolls out of the way and I gotta give big ups to Super Kalo on this because I've never seen someone move out of the way of a diving splash later in the dive and still not get hit at all yeah he he, he literally just he's about a foot off the ground and Super Kalo sits up and somehow doesn't get hit at all
0: yeah it's weird because he like you say he leaves us so late that he just sits up and it's like how the fuck did he miss
1: yeah i couldn't believe it. i was fully sure this was going to be like oh he didn't get all of it one of those ones and yeah. he somehow completely got out of the way incredible and uh, they take turns beating each other up in the corner um i also realized part of the green is here uh lash face is redder than his hair he is like blown up trying to keep up mm-hmm. with hello over a five minute match here uh Callow hits some cool shit, like uh, doing the kind of running up Lash's chest and backflipping while he's in the corner. Um, He does double jump moonsault, which looks class. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the most impressive thing about Lash, maybe this is what I love because you know as well, the other things uh, kids love in wrestling, entrances and finishers. And Lash LaRue grabs him and hits a fireman carry driver. Uh, for the win do you remember what this move
0: would go on to be known as later oh god Um I know it's the cradle shock well same as Chris Aben does it, it's cradle shock Um yeah this is your lash in the trivia contest for the week I knew it without even having to look it up and that just got, that says a lot about me well I mean it was obviously your finisher in all your Smackdown versus Raw characters and
1: do you know what, funny enough, before it became, uh, like, a meme, uh, thanks to Excalibur, do you know what my finish was on wrestling games in my Create Wrestler character? Arrow? Was
0: the yeah. Falcon Arrow. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I love a Falcon Arrow, and nobody kicks out
0: of it. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I cannot remember the name of the cradle shock when um, Lasharoo does it. You'll be kicking yourself that you didn't guess this. It was called The
1: Whiplash. Are you kicking yourself or are you just bummed out at how bad That's a ton of it is? <laughs> Wheat lash. Yeah, he uh he wins with the whiplash. Uh then we get a WCW Saturday night tease. It's Huey versus Ray, which should be good. We're gonna see Booker T, Benoit Kidman, uh, and in spite of all that talent on the undercard. The main event is going to see De Malengo try and get a match out of Brian Adams. He, uh, the king of the one-arse-cheek pile driver. Uh, we now have another segment with Tori. She's in the limo. She's inviting you to sip a cider. She said she won't bite. Not too much, anyway. Uh, then we go to, I think, my favourite running gag of the night. Something like just because it was so dumb and so weird. Glacier. Who is wearing wait till you hear this ensemble that uh that Glacier is wearing. He is wearing a grey t shirt, a fairly loose fitting leather jacket that's like zipped up not even halfway. Two quarters of the way, yeah. And pinstripe zubas. What a look. I, you want to talk about, like, they present this guy on, on TV, obviously, as Sub Zero from Mortal
0: Kombat. And you want to talk about one segment that completely shatters any sort of life. Yeah, but he ha- he has that look, Dave, but he also has it in the contact lens.
1: Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> and that plays into the the skits later. Um, so he's talking to the cat and Sonny Ono. Um, And it's, it's something that was jarring to me about this segment Uh, from years of being conditioned by WWE programming is that Sonny Ono isn't facing the camera during this. He's actually standing like somebody talking to somebody would be. So yeah. his back is to the camera facing Glacier. I was like, that's weird. But also <laughs> it's like a human being would.
0: People um, don't stand in semi-circles looking, you know.
1: Yeah. So he he talks about how like Cat has it all. He says to Kat and Sonny, he says, you've got it all. You know, three-time karate champion, all that sort of stuff. What you need is the greatest entrance of all time. Then he slags off his own vignettes about how they showed, like, the, the glacier vignettes for, six for about months. six months. Yeah. yeah, he slags them off. But then it's funny because, like, Sonny Ono starts laughing. And he goes, oh, it's not that funny. <laughs> Which I thought was really good. It's like, hey, look, I, I can joke about this. You can't. Um, And he says that, look... I can do that for you. I can give you my lights. I can give you my lasers. And so I'll give them to you at a great price. And now it's officially canon because of this segment, Lee, that wrestlers own their individual pyro and light shows. So... Every member of the WCW roster is harking their own spotlights and pyro across state lines between each TV
0: taping, and it is theirs to sell as they so wish. I I think they they just meet with production staff and decide, well, I'm going to have this pyro. Instead of, you know, them hauling it, you know, on fucking Spirit Airlines or whatever the fuck they're flying with. I'll tell you, Lee, no one ever showed
1: Vince McMahon this segment. Because, like, Vince already, you know, makes everybody pay for their own transport and hotel out of pocket unless they're a real star. If Vince gets it in his head that he can charge them for their own lights and pyro, it's fucking game over. Game
0: over. And, and, um, and yet Randy Orton would still get his own pyro that he wouldn't have to pay for. Yeah. Um, we have another match
1: in the, um, in the <sighs> tag team tournament. So we have Kidman and Chavo. I can't remember. So we have this thing in the tag team tournament, guys, where if it's a tag team that didn't previously have a name, we give them one. I haven't written in anything for Kidman and Chavo because we already gave them a name and I forgot it. Yeah, yeah I forgot I it as well. I can't remember. Record, But such a lack of professionalism. I will go and look it up before the pay-per-view. Um, but their team is uh, competing against uh, a new team on our run, uh, and that mm-hmm. is the combination of Fit Finlay... And Dave Taylor, for which I have uh, two tag team names, for which I would like you to choose between Lee, so that we can okay. go ahead uh, and officially revert them as one. So, uh, option number one, they've turned the Wii-ins against us. I like it. Option option number two, Team Blue Chew.
0: <laughs> um I think I'd go for team they've torn the weans against us. Okay.
1: Now you're saying that maybe if Blue wanted to sponsor us, give us a little kickback, we could revise that decision? I mean, listen,
0: if we have to watch any more Finley and Taylor matches, I might need some Blue to get through. It.
1: <laughs> I love that that implies that the what you need to get through Thunder is a raging erection <laughs> <laughs> guys if i'm not fully tumescent during <laughs> my
0: wrestling then what's the point i mean listen if they keep doing these uh, Tori vignettes it's gonna go somewhere <laughs>
1: I just picture him being now as like, Lee to d- distract himself when thunder is bad is just like, he's he's pitching a tent and he's just like trying to do like spinning the plates, but with like his phone with his notes app open, just spinning it on top of the pitch tent.
0: Oh, uh, taking voice notes, that's all I'm saying.
1: <laughs> oh, good lord. Good fucking lord. So, yeah, if you want yourself associated with this content, Blue Chew. You know where we're at Hop into Listen, Discord
0: If I'm getting paid I'll take anything
1: In terms of what we Don't like in WCW Lee Is Finley. there a more per- it, it, <laughs> but I Was gonna say, Is there a more Personal punishment To the two of us Than seeing Finley and Chavo Wrestle
0: I mean Finley And anybody wrestle Is a punishment to me um, We should say For anyone who's never Listened to us We fucking hate Dave Finley. Yeah. So this is the
1: thing, right? I remember, and I said this a few episodes ago. Like, I really enjoyed Grumpy Da fighting lads Finley in WWE. Mm-hmm. I can't confess to have watched a huge amount of his very early WCW. You are more of the early WCW man than me. And mm-hmm. I haven't seen any, like, stuff before that either from, like, World of Sport or whatever. Uh, I think this came out of, like, we did a podcast. Um, with our good friend Alan Forel over on the Torch site, um, where this came up when we were talking about you know, who are we least impressed by, and it turned out the three of us really hate uh Finley's WCW run, particularly at this mm-hmm. time. Now Alan extended that to just hating Finley, Dave Finley yeah. in general, but like I can't because I haven't seen a lot of his early career, I can't say definitively I hate the whole man's career, and because I used to get a chuckle out of him in WWE, particularly. Um, when Dave Taylor showed back up, I love them ten years older, and just like when they're in that, um, they were in that Booker ladder T. match where Joey, where Joey Mercury's nose exploded. Um, oh, that's right, um, yeah, yeah. The whole gimmick building up to that was that the two of them were afraid to climb ladders.
0: Was it? I can't remember um, that. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember. I don't remember um, that because
1: they're old. Um, but hey. Yeah, but you, you definitely as well definitively on the side of like we have not seen any like Finley comes out and he has absolutely boring butland style heel performances in interminable mm-hmm. matches on Thunder. We have not enjoyed a single one since we started this show. Yeah, no, he's fucking, he's awful. He sucks. Yeah. We're not going to go full Benno and say name five good Finley matches <laughs> and set our mentions on fire for a week. But it's just been a thing we've observed. And Chavo... Yeah, hang on. I don't think we'll, you, we'll have as much argument on Chavo. You
0: say that, but I'm going to put that into the Discord now. Oh, God damn it.
1: <laughs> um, but Chavo, I think, we'll find much less resistance on. I, I, I think a lot of people are on the... I don't get the Chavo thing bandwagon. Um, So, seeing the two of them wrestle each other is like... Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, I, I love, as well, uh, the lads heen Heenan early on here because he has already forgotten that the faces of fear were eliminated about three or four segments ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um... Tanay has this line in here about, like, this is about as topical as, you know, friend of everybody Mike Tanay gets where they mention, you know, Finley being from Ireland, Dave Taylor being English and saying, well, I guess they've put aside the differences between those two countries uh, to form this tag team. Um finley attempts to trick kidman into a code of honor handshake uh, which kidman refuses um we go to a break we're back finley and chavo are wrestling again for fuck's sake um chavo mounts a comeback with i will say and he does hit a nice looking dropkick um you can see the difference in uh, sentiment towards these two wrestlers because when Chavo tags out, Kidman tags in and crowd crowd wakes yeah. up and comes alive. <laughs> Hits a lovely diving crossbody, pin gets broken up, uh, stomps, but Finley eye pokes, which kills the crowd. Like every time Finley gets in charge, it's not like. It's not a heat segment, because there's no heat to it. It's not like they're like, oh, boo, we want the babyface to come back. It's like, right, okay, Finley is dictating the pace here. We're just going to tune out until Kidman does some cool shit again. See you later. Um, I will say, though, to Finley's credit, what he does here in this middle part of the match with Kidman, I was quite into, where they're, they do the angle mm. stuff. So... Kidman kind of spills out Gets low bridge And spills out Over the top rope To the floor And immediately starts Selling his ankle And particularly I think because It was like They cut They edited the shots In such a way That like You miss Quote unquote The bump he takes On the floor So you don't actually know If he legit Twisted or rolled his ankle Or whatever And Kidman Again for a guy Not long in the business Fairly Realistically Sells the ankle Like it's fucked um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so Finley senses his blood in the water. He comes out and is aggressive. He's on top of them. He does the Kidman ducks and he chops the ring post spot, which look always fun. Um, always sickening, but always fun. Kidman hobbles back in. They do a decent period of like working the leg really slowly and wearing him down. Uh, Kidman like slowly crawling to the corner, but Taylor spots it, uh, and distracts Chavo. So... He does the, you know, the classic heel thing where Taylor drops off the apron, runs around, knocks Chavo off Mm -hmm. the apron, so he's not in position by the time Kidman eventually gets there. Um, Taylor comes in then to continue the beating, but uh, I suppose a mark against Dave Taylor, much as what Finley was doing working the ankle makes sense. Fucking Dave Taylor, as if he hadn't seen the last three minutes of the match, comes in and starts working the arm. For, like that seems like a re- like that's a real he's on
0: autopilot and he's just doing yeah. a Dave Taylor match thing like that for, that for real really unknown like, disappointing unknown reasons just yeah ignores all the work that I've been on previously
1: yeah uh, Finley comes back in he knocks down Chavo Fa- Finley runs headfirst into the turnbuckle Chavo comes in illegally to do the double team. Him and the referee starts arguing. Kidman goes for the shoot and star press. Taylor, again, crotches him off the top rope. Finley goes outside while the ref is distracted, gets a chair. Chavo gets up on the top rope. He goes to missile dropkick Finley in the back of the head, but that knocks him forward. El Kabonk with the chair into Kidman. Uh, Chavo gets disposed of. Uh, Finley hits the tombstone, and team, uh, they turn the weans against us, move on. Um... I, again, you know, we buried Finley just there a minute ago, but I think it was the most I've enjoyed Fit Finley in a match. And it was the most enjoyable match that has featured either Finlay or Chavo I've seen so far. It was just a good little tag match where, apart from that little stretch with Dave Taylor working the arm, everything (laughs) made sense. The finish was really good to kind of, like the heels are firmly established as still being cheating heels, but also with the miscommunication from the baby faces, it furthers on a story they're about to tell in a backstage segment as well. So I think like they put all the pieces on the board in the right way and made you understand why one team is going forward and one team is out. Um, mm. So like pretty good job, I think, or am I crazy?
0: Yeah, no, they, 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 wanted the story. They had a story they wanted to tell that they did a good job telling it all. Um, I still don't enjoy Finley. Uh, <laughs> in yeah. spite of yeah, it was a it was fine as a match. Um, I do hate that they pinned Kidman yeah. again. I think they could have told this very same yeah. story with Kit with Chavo getting pinned twice, not Kidman. But well, you know, w- yeah. WCW Cruiserweight Champion, so of course he has to get pinned.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. You could have had it where like Kidman was the illegal man. He still gets Elkabonked with the chair, but yeah. that leaves Chavo alone with the two lads who to just get him Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we go back to the glacier negotiations, um, and now that they've done a deal on the entrance, and now he's selling his gear. Is like, uh, uh, people, someone should check in on glacier. He's clearly going through some rough times. Um, I love. He picks up his kind of like his his uh, armor that he wears during his entrance, and perhaps the the most entertained I've ever been by the cat. Cat almost under his breath just goes, "Man, I already got some hubcaps." <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: um, Kaz then walks by. He really wants the gear. Glacier says it'll cost him one hundred, and Sonny who is translating for him, says that's gonna cost twenty five grand. Um, the belt is gonna be fifteen hundred. Glacier says. Sonny tells him it's fifteen grand. Um, and you know he's like, "I'll take it. I'll take it." Um, then we cut to Tori in the hotel. She says you have nothing to be nervous of. They get into the lift increasingly suggestively. Um, Then we have what should have been my favourite segment since the LWO house party. The party, yeah. Lee, Lee, you know I am a huge film fan. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You can see in my my background here, one of the things I got for Christmas, well, myself and Emma got for Christmas is... um, a, a scratch-off poster of the top 100 movies of all time. So we're scratching off... What, like, I've seen most of them, but we're scratching them off as we see them okay. together uh, as a couple. So, like, I'm getting to kind of watch old movies through new eyes, which is great. But a uh, huge fan of cinema, nonetheless. Um, One of the tropes I really love in, like, coming-of-age movies or... Uh, things like that, is the try-on montage in a comedy movie where they mm-hmm. try on a bunch of different outfits. Um, And this is what we get from Canyon Uh, and Raven. They arrive at the shop that Canyon describes as Versace. And yeah. Raven is like, Raven calls him a maroon and says it's Versace, which is great because it also implies that Raven often shops at Versace. They do a try on montage. My only complaint about that, se- this segment is it should have been three minutes longer. Oh, yeah, they they could have got so much more out of this. Yeah, so they do the bits where he's coming out in various uh new duds and he's doing different poses, and they do the one like skit where they open the curtain too early and he's in his boxers and he's like covering up. Um, yeah, really funny stuff, and the two of them, like with their giant Versace bags, walk out really happily and then head upstairs to somewhere else. Absolutely loved this little bit, but like I said, it should have been two or three minutes longer. Hmm. Uh, our next match: Disco versus Gentleman Chris Adams. Lee, like I know this guy. Like I think it's—is it two years later he dies? Um, Chris I was Adams is night- looking really
0: rough on this show yeah, he. I thought it was a lot sooner than two years that he dies. But yeah, no, he, he's in rough shape. He's not not looking good. I mean, is this the what the towards time we've seen him on the run of thunder? Uh
1: third or fourth. Like he was on yeah. the very. He dies in two
0: thousand and one. Oh, Oh, two thousand one. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, he. He just. He, he seems to get progressively worse every time we see him. Yeah.
1: Um, from a guy who like I'm not saying he looked a million bucks Because he was in the first ever Thunder match Against mm-hmm. Randy Savage But he definitely looked like a TV ready professional wrestler uh, And this is only Like 13 months later And he looks in really rough shape Like he's Like his his colour is his sh- Like he's looking A little bit out of shape He's looking a bit mm-hmm. blown up Like I was kind of It really took me out of it Um the lads, in, this is the match where the, the commentary starts to get distracted. They have to apologise for Heenan because he does a joke about being at a Piggly Wiggly and he sees an employee laying out at the pool and said he smelled bacon cooking. Um, as as Disco bails to the outside to take a breather and for some reason yell at Dave Penzer, uh, the lads mention offhandedly that the NWO laid out iron backstage last Monday. Uh, this, oh, here is my favourite thing on the show. Uh, so much so that I had to tweet it out because this is the most WCW thing that happens all weekly. This match is so boring, right, that, (laughs) and bear in mind, it's a pre-tape. So if this match is dull, they could have just cut a bunch of it out and cut it short and done this afterwards, but they don't. This match is so boring that they full-on fucking cut away from Mm -hmm. the match to do more backstage comedy with Glacier and the
0: boys. And you know what?
1: I've never, I've never seen that like this in my
0: life no I've never seen anything like it where they just full on cut away from a match like normally they'd have it like picture in picture no they just cut away yeah and that's what they did at first that's what they did at first they did double
1: screen for like a second I was like this is weird and sometimes you'll do the cut away like famously do you know when Austin shows up and beats the shit out of the alliance and mm-hmm. like works his way out to the ring when there's like a big angle or something like this but no you're cutting away from the match for a skit with a bunch
0: of mid Mm-hmm. And do you know what? Arguably, the skip backstage was better than the match.
1: Definitely was. Definitely was. Because uh, he's selling his helmet, and then Kat is like, "I want your eye." <laughs> it's like, what do you mean you got my eye? And he goes, and they eventually negotiate, and he goes, "Okay, you can have the eye." Pops out the contact, and he goes, "Do you know what? I'll throw in a free bottle of saline with that."
0: <laughs> Who knew that Rocket uh, from Guardians like, in the Galaxy was inspired by the Cat in 1999? Yeah. Oh well I knew I knew deep down um,
1: And this is where I wrote In my notes I was like I can't believe This match is so boring That they just fucking Bailed on it Like they could have done this Any other time in the show Or just not done the skit Or or just not shown The match on air But it's like They made a point to, to tell you Essentially The match is so boring We can't pay attention to it
0: That tells you Just how bad this match was I mean I've uh, you, you know You've classified me As the disco defender On the show um, Yeah disco doesn't annoy me half as much as he does you like he's fine as a character I think like he serves a purpose and he has actually got better as a wrestler in the the year we've been doing the show but like th- th- yeah you've even heard me on occasion give th- it this is bad this is real bad
1: this is real bad and I don't i i again i I love blaming disco for all the faults in the world but uh, I can't put it at him. Because even within three minutes here, Chris Adams is mm-hmm. sucking air like he has blown up. Uh, he goes for a super kick. Disco pulls the ref in the way. Adams puts on the brake. Um, kind of Disco ducks out from behind the ref, kicks him in the knee, hits chairbuster, and wins. And then Disco does a military salute into the hard cam. Okay. Uh, next for we the have troops. Tori. T- Tori brings you into her room, which. Uh, They try their best not to show on camera is a twin room. (laughs) So you see two separate beds in the room, which is great. Um, She makes you sit down. She said she'll be right back. And then that is the last we see of Tori this whole night. So we have cut to Tori four different times. Mm -hmm. And it's like... I don't know about you, but the way I read these segments, it, I thought it was building to who she was in cahoots with, who she was shacking up with. And they were going to show you at the end of the show. It's like, oh my God, she's involved with this wrestler. And, you know, she's going to be coming out as this guy's valet. That's what I assumed, because that's that seemed to be the way this whole thing was going. But like now, again, because it's WCW, they may well just do another four or five segments like this on Nitro and actually pay it off. Who the fuck knows at this stage? but like i was like when the show ended cuz when they did this and then the main event started i was like whoa that's weird they're going to show like the culmination of the tory thing mm-hmm. at the very end of the show it must be a big name and then they just don't
0: yeah well at this stage i can only assume that it's alex shelley
1: <laughs> any particular
0: i mean look we've all seen paparazzi productions this is shot very similar
1: yeah okay Okay, well, that's our head canon until Tori tells us otherwise. Uh, then we get uh, Gene Okerlund, who is in a spicy mood, uh, <laughs> here to talk to Kidman. He asks why Chavo let him down yet again. Kidman is like, no, 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 we're pals. And Gene is having fucking none of it. He's like, no, this dude is undermining you constantly. And Kidman says, no, it's just miscommunication. We're really good friends. We've had some great matches and now we're a tag team. We have an understanding. Chavo comes in and he's just like, hey, what are you talking about? And Kidman's like, oh, no, it's fine. you know." And, and Gene turns to Chavo and goes, this guy says it's all your fault, basically. And Chavo's like, what? Dex Kidman? I said, you know whose fault it is? Yours. And walks off. And I was like, did Gene Okerlund just manufacture a feud between these guys? Well,
0: I mean, Gene has to keep things fresh on the hotline, so.
1: Yeah, because I thought what Chavo was going to say when he floored him was, you're damn right I did it on purpose. Yeah, no. no. So, like, Gene Okerlund has turned Chavo heel.
0: Gene, Incredible. Gene, at the start Incredible. of the segment was like, "Chavo's a piece of shit. He's awful in the ring." And Kidman's gone, "Ah, oh, no, he's yeah. fine. We're friends." And then he just buries him. He's just like, "God, oh, Chavo, this guy thinks you're a piece of shit."
1: Yeah. <laughs> this is like, you know, this is like the WCW version of the like the Millhouse Nelson, guess who likes you yeah. thing. So now, like. <laughs> is inexplicably getting carted off in an ambulance over a misunderstanding. Uh, we get a very 1999 styled Bam Bam and Goldberg video package, but again, I think this does a really good job. It makes Bam Bam look like a fucking monster, and I mm-hmm. love it.
0: Really good, re- like re- re- really, really good production. Him yes.
1: killing people. Yeah, yeah, really, really good. Um, Raven and Canyon, they're now back from the club. I think it was the Gold Room. It was the Uh, gold club, wasn't it? They had like a montage. The gold club, yeah, that's it. So they had a montage of them hitting various different night spots, but then when they get back to the house, it's still later that same afternoon, because it's broad daylight. (laughs) When they're back in the house, and uh, Mrs. Raven is just back from her board meeting, so I don't know what sort of timey-wimey shit the two lads were doing. That Ferrari must be fucking fast, I'll, I'll say that much. Um so she's back and she's talking to them and Raven uh, says the witch is back Uh, somehow it's daytime again she says to Scotty that WCW called and they want him back to work I again us viewing Thunder I think we were unaware until this very moment that WCW had apparently sent him home I thought he was just moping of his own volition obviously they
0: got sick of us moping around the back and sent him home
1: yeah I guess so uh, and then in another sign that like they clearly don't, uh, that the other characters can't hear, uh, Raven Zach Morrising down the camera, he is strut right beside his mother, looks down the camera and said she ain't too bright, uh, but walks off, and we are to assume that Raven will be returning to television promptly. Uh, We then see, uh, I I don't know, were you as horrified as I was by this, uh, Lee? We go back to Nitro, and we see Roddy Piper winning the US title. I was like, whatever we say about how, like, Brett... Brett can still have some good matches at this stage, health-wise, but, like, whatever hope we have of getting a stellar Brett match, we have zero hope of getting a good US title match with Roddy.
0: Yeah, um was washed at this stage. I mean, yeah, he's a big name and I'm guessing it's Brett kind of doing a you know, returning the favors from WrestleMania 7 thing and
1: yeah. and also <sighs> uh his budding feud with Will Sasso of Mad TV. Yeah. Well, why? Yeah. I it was it looked so low rent. Like, again, you know, all respect to, to Will Sasso, who was, like, um, I have found entertaining in things and was definitely a very entertaining early comedian on Vine. Remember Vine? Um, but, holy shit, compared to, like, last year, it was, like, Dennis Rodman, Carl Malone, Jay Leno. These were the stars that were coming in. Um Fucking one of the early episodes of Thunder. You were talking about how Roddy Piper was on Walker Texas mm-hmm. Ranger with Chuck Norris. Um, all this sort of shit. Uh, the lads are on MTV, and now you know, God bless them. But you've got Will Sasso, uh, here in the in the front row. Uh, it's not quite the same. No, lad, it's it? really not.
0: Um, yeah, it's just fucking. It's real fucking. It's real bad. <laughs> it's just
1: yeah. And then you get like speaking of real bad in prospect, uh, the commentary confirm as of thunder it is official it will be Scott Hall versus Roddy mm-hmm. Piper, uh, at the pay per view, and I know it's because like you know Piper is still allied with the NWO, so that is probably why the, the switch. Um, but I re- I really hope, especially in light of, you know, our last episode, which was Wrestling With Shadows, I really hope it was just Brett going, I'm not fucking doing the job for Scott Hall. Fuck it. Hopefully that's what it was. So, Lee, our next segment um is <laughs> a-, a display of two things. One, uh, what a snake in the grass Hulk Hogan is. Uh, uh, two- three things, actually. Two... Uh, how they're, how the wolf pack looks down on NWO black and white. And perhaps number three, yet another demonstration about how the last thing any WCW wrestler wants to do is actually watch the show. <laughs> um, because Hogan's plans would be immediately unveiled if anybody
0: had been watching the show at all this week or in previous weeks. And I love that it also points out that the NWO black and white guys do not actually talk to each other. And they all got they all got summoned one by one to Hogan's dressing room
1: yeah and that Hulk uh, absolutely like basically burying his own family as part of this plan so it's firstly him giving Horace a pep talk Mm -hmm. telling him to take over the black and white then he tells Adams the same then he tells Stevie Ray the same then he also tells Vincent the same (laughs) Uh, and then hauntingly the Vincent segment ends with both of them agreeing that Vincent is the daddy and then he like, you know, he uh he gives Hulk uh, a hug. And as he walks off screen, Hogan is disgusted uh by having been hugged by him. Um, We it, then the next segment is weird because it's the main event segment. But like they do the main event pyro, but then immediately cut away to Paige, uh, DDP is in the green room over at NBC. He's going to be on later on NBC after Conan O'Brien with mm-hmm. uh Rita Seaver, who I have uh I have no idea.
0: I, I, I just had her down as Rita somebody. I don't know who it is.
1: Yeah. Um so um we have in the main event um Sorry, here I accidentally deleted who <laughs> one of the teams is. It's uh, it's, it's Benoit and Malenko versus Kaz Hayashi and Van Hammer. Um, and I couldn't come up with anything
0: better than Kaz Hammer
1: for the two lads this time. I can't remember if I'd already come up with one. I before. thought we
0: had a name for them. That's why I, I, di- I didn't think of them. Did we? I thought we had one, but I, I can't remember what it was before the next show someone in discord or on
1: twitter hold me to it or if you remember them from previous shows and could save me the effort that'd be great but uh, i'll go back and look in my notes and run through the list of stupid fucking names we came up with for these teams um i, I wrote when i saw malenko and ben walk out i was like hey look one tag team of two good wrestlers can't wait to see them fuck
0: this one yeah um i actually got Got excited at a real tag team coming out together. It was it was incredible. Refreshing, wasn't
1: it? Um I was uh I thought it was funny. This match opens with Van Hammer trying to do a wrestle with Chris Benoit. That was cute. Mm-hmm. Um this goes through a break. Uh Kidman versus Chavo is confirmed for the cruiserweight title at Super Brawl. Be interesting to see what Kidman could get out of that one. Um in this match, Lee. And it didn't happen often enough in the match. But Kaz Hayashi versus either one of these guys slapped. Yeah, absolutely. I was very much enjoying when Kaz was in here with either of these guys. But almost it felt like deliberately to annoy us. Van Hammer spent a lot of time
0: in the ring in this match. It It's so weird because it, they can obviously see that Kaz is good. And they're trying to put him in yeah. situations where he can shine. But then, yeah. you know team him up with
1: Hammer. <laughs> yeah. I, have, I have always thought to myself, Lee, Kaz Hayashi is the father Larry Duff of WCW. He's tremendous fun. Uh, and this was very much demonstrated in this match. Um, outside the ring where fans, uh, they beg Benoit to smack hammer off the fence and he just like stares at them he can hear them go like they're shining up the fence mm. real nice and then he just turns around and throws them back into the ring i laughed <laughs> um and then you hear at most three men go Boo. <laughs> <laughs> as he throws them back in
0: to be fair knowing what we know i wouldn't have Chris Benoit. no no
1: uh i As they get back into the ring, this is the point where I realised that um, two hours of being in a recording booth after this show was taped was too much. And uh, the three lads have become completely untethered on commentary. They are not focused at all. Um, This is where you mentioned it earlier on, but uh, Heenan mentions... um, that he is going to be named manager of the century, mm-hmm. uh, Tony, who is in dismay at this whole thing, that like Bra- Brain and today are just bantering back and forth. When the manager of the century comes, uh, comes up, Tony is fucking disgusted, and that's where you know he says, "Do you think Hogan or Flair would be the wrestler of the century?" And he goes, "Well, do you know what? If they're going to name you manager of the year, I have no idea who they'd name wrestler of <laughs> the century." <laughs> I was like, "That is like." You know, I know you're you're doing it for KFA, but like, come on, Heenan, if he's yeah, not manager of the century, he's up there. Do you know what I mean? You can give him a bit of credit,
0: even if you still hate the man.
1: Yeah. Lee, give me your Mount Rushmore of wrestling managers. Uh, Heenan, Heyman,
0: Cornette. Yeah. And probably the fourth is... Oh, God. Um... I mean, I love JJ with the Horseman. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd probably go with JJ. I, I like JJ with the Horseman.
1: JJ. Do you know who was um, an underrated one I loved, but it was because he was doing it during a title reign of a guy that I did not want to see for a single second longer as champion? Uh, Flair, when he was Triple mm. H's manager. Yeah, he was I good. really liked... Flair was the part of the act I really liked. Again... My favourite uh, Flair as a manager moment of all time was uh, in that horrendous Elimination Chamber match where they just killed Goldberg dead uh-huh. Um, after letting him be actual Goldberg for a few minutes. The bit where Flair is holding the individual pod shut with his feet and he's balanced up on the thing and he's just flipping Goldberg off.
0: Uh, What a visual. I, I would say Flair's best moment in that run was the uh, WrestleMania skit where he's on the donkey.
1: Yeah. Um so what were your four there again?
0: Heenan, Heyman, cornette and JJ. Hmm.
1: Where would you go on? Because I know we've had the discussion about the different like is a certain person a manager or a valet? My fourth, because the the first three you've named there couldn't disagree with one bit. What about Sherry? Sherry was more of a manager than yeah, a valet. Yeah, she was. And I love Sherry. And that yeah, yeah. list of people she managed, and she made them all better. Yeah, no, that that's know? a
0: great show. But yeah, it's it's you that know? thing of where where does a valet become a manager? And yeah, I think the other four are traditional managers in the sense that they managed these wrestlers and and got them places. Whereas Cherry may have you know just been there with them kind of. It, it's kayfabe, yeah. but you know whatever. Yeah, yeah,
1: um. Yeah, an interesting one. Uh let us know on the Twitter or the Discord who are some of your if you have other nominees for your uh your manager, Mount Rushmore. I'd like to hear it. Um it basically uh this 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 match just ends. Horsemen get the, the numbers game on Kaz, um Van Hammer kind of taking out mm-hmm. the equation on the outside of the ring. Uh, Benoit gets to cross face in wins and again I was expecting either the payoff of like uh, Glacier selling his gear or the payoff of like who was Tory Wilson going into the hotel room with and so when the actual credits came up I was like oh yeah just over so I it's one of those feelings where it's just like I thought there was a, I wasn't looking at the progress bar at the bottom I thought oh there's going to be like a postscript to this there's going to be something happening and then it just ended and I was like oh okay yeah. All right, I guess <laughs> Um, what did you think of that match though? I don't know um, it didn't, it didn't go too long it was long.
0: fine it only went about 8 minutes it was grand so, I mean yeah I could have done with more cars versus the lads but sure look it, you take what you can get on these shows sometimes
1: yeah and again, look, we've got two years left of WCW and hopefully we, you know, in the year that we have left with Benoit Malenko before they jump ship, hopefully there's a singles match we get to see between Kaz and either one of them at some mm-hmm. stage because it has like high potential uh, to be a lot of fun. Um, Lee, your final thoughts on the show uh, and who were your big winners and losers for Thunder episode
0: 50? Um, I thought that was a... F- Fun little show It kind of breezed by I watched it all in one sitting There was no kind of Stopping and staring And wishing for death Halfway through the show <laughs>
1: Yeah Which we have had recently Oh yeah we have
0: um, Winners and losers I thought Disco and Chris Adams Both just looked Fucking horrendous After that match um, yeah. Winners And again not, not Disco's fault This time For, for once. once Yeah winners Flasharoo um, Had a fun little debut there, there was no major standout winner for me in the show.
1: No, I, but I do want to, again, um, until the last match, say how refreshing it was to have the the commentary team like focused on the action in the mm-hmm. ring and building the pay-per-view at appropriate times in the commentary rather than seeming that they absolutely couldn't be fucked watching it. Because, mm-hmm. again, what that does, and we all know from trying to watch modern WWE... Uh, is that when the commentary team tacitly communicates to you that they don't give a fuck, well, why should you then? Exactly. You know? Um, so, yeah. Um Uh, Our final bit uh, The finish counter Brought to you by Ludwig Borger We had five matches on this show Two clean finishes One interference leading to a finish And two miscellaneous shenanigans Where a bit of like a You know Weaponry or something like that Leads to the finish Instead of it just being straight up clean So pretty decent return No DQ count out And again We will always enjoy a Thunder Where there wasn't a single NWO run in uh, Leading to a finish uh, that might be mm-hmm. the first time that hasn't happened at any stage on a Thunder in a year. Um it's one of the first it's one of only a few times it's ever not happened in a main event, but it might be the first time it's ever happened
0: on a whole Thunder. Very possible, actually, yeah, now that you say it, that there was very little in yeah. NWO stuff showed to show. Yeah.
1: Just that there was just that one segment with Hogan and that was it. Mm-hmm. Very refreshing. Very refreshing. Um Right, that's it for our debut episode of Days of Thunder on uh, the VOW Podcast Network. Uh, If you are not familiar with the release schedule of the show, I may have mentioned it up top, but uh, we post shows once every two weeks on a Thursday, so you can look forward to us coming back then. Until then, everyone, stay safe. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to talking to you again soon. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder was produced by Lee Malone and edited by me, Dave Ryan. Keep up to date with the show and find all the ways to listen to us. You can follow us on Twitter at WCWThunderPod or click the Linktree link in our Twitter bio or in the show notes. I am at the Day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. Days of Thunder is a part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Follow the VOW network anywhere. Good podcasts are sold for more fine podcasts than you can shake a stick at. Thanks.